0: Hello and welcome to the introductory episode of Why Though, the show that asks that most important of all questions, why is this record in my collection? My name is Benjamin Jacobs, the confused owner of the records and the host of the show, and this is episode one, An Introduction. In introductory episodes, it is customary to cover a few important points. We have already covered my name and the name of the show, so we're off to a good start. It's also important to discuss what the show is beyond its name, so the format, the subject, the structure. Beyond these basics, it's considered good form to give some time to convince the audience of why the topic is important or interesting, and why I, as the host, am the person to tell you about them. In short, why though? Before we get to the philosophical gymnastics of this episode, let's begin with the prosaic bits. This show is going to be a monthly podcast. In each episode, I will discuss one record. The twist here is that I am not covering records that I consider particularly important, interesting, or even good. Instead, in each episode, I will discuss one record that happens to be owned by me. I will start at A and move through the entire collection in alphabetical order. To clarify, the collection is alphabetized by artist, though there are some oddities about that when it comes to classical music that we will address when we get to those bridges. If I own more than one record by an artist, we will cover them in chronological order by release date. When I get to the end of the records, if we get that far, I will start in upon the CDs again, starting with A. Now, in each episode, I will tell you what the band and album is that I'm going to be covering, and how the record came to be in my collection. If necessary, I will tell you how many copies I own, because yeah, that happened. This process will probably involve me calling my parents and asking them why they purchased the album in the first place and how they felt about it and stuff like that, information that I will communicate to you if appropriate. I will then give a short history of the band and the album. Finally, I will give a short discussion of how I feel about the album and why. Ideally, this will all fit into the 20-minute range, and I will close off the episode by letting you know if I intend to keep the album, get rid of the album, or, in extreme cases, burn it out of kindness for future generations. Before I go, in every episode, including this one, I will tell you the next album we will be discussing, so that you can give it a listen electronically beforehand if you so desire. In the show notes for each episode, I will provide a link to a free place where, at least at the time of recording, a person could listen to the album if they so chose. Usually this is going to be YouTube, but uh, of course you can listen in whatever medium you are most comfortable with, and there are definitely already some albums that I've covered in the scripts that I've written, uh, because I've been listening ahead, there are definitely some scripts where the album is not on YouTube, and I've had to scrape the barrel a little bit. Now, let's discuss this format a little bit. One would normally presume that if I own a record, I actually like it. But on the contrary, I have not even listened to the majority of the records I own. At least three of the albums are records I hate and bought purely out of spite. This may raise the question for you. Why though? Now, I love music, and I have a small passion for vinyl. But for most of my life, my living situation did not really allow me to procure my own records in any quantity, let alone curate a quality collection. I got a few, and had maybe a banker's box worth by the time I finished graduate school. Around the same time, I got married, moved to my own apartment with my wife, thus merging our collections. Then my mother and father retired and both moved into new homes. In the process, as is custom, we kids were allowed to come and take whatever we wanted from the pile of stuff no one wanted anymore. Of course, I greedily snatched up all the record collections. The years since have been hectic. We moved several times, and then poor health, the birth of my child, my full-time job, and the stress of poverty have prevented me from really getting my musical collections into the shape I wanted. I also started a history podcast that you may have heard of called Wittenberg to Westphalia, The Wars of the Reformation, of which I am very proud and deeply enjoy making. But it is a bit of a time sink. During the pandemic, I've been working from home, and so I finally had the opportunity, and also the need, to clean out the basement, which is also my office, which is also where most of the records were located. In so doing, one thing led to another, and I finally organized my music collection the way I wanted. I have put together all the bits and bobs I have accumulated over the years into a real honest-to-goodness stereo system, and it even sounds good somehow. I've mounted shelving to the walls and got all my stuff out of boxes. My record player is no longer at risk of being destroyed by The Child, and neither are my records. I have alphabetized the collection. In the process of all these tasks, it became very clear to me how many of my records I have not listened to, and in some cases they are albums I have heard good things about for years. But given the convenience of digital music and the way we increasingly use music only as an aesthetic background noise, I knew that if I didn't sort of set aside some time to really sit down and listen, I probably would never get to those records in any kind of timely fashion, simply listening to the handful of records I personally bought over and over again, as I have done for the last few months. No, I felt that I needed to take this in an organized fashion and really go through and put in the time, care, and effort to actually listen to these and give all these albums a fair shake. And it being me, I knew that the only way to really get myself to do this was to just start at one end and go to the other. I should also say, this isn't the first time I've tried something like this. About eight years ago, before podcasts caught my attention, I had a blog devoted to a similar project with my CD collection. At that time, my records were still boxed up, and my life was kind of hectic. It was fun, my friends and family enjoyed the blog, or at least told me they did, but ultimately, I kind of ran out of steam when the podcast came along. Ultimately, podcasts became a medium I think I understand and can do well, and now that I have the time and energy to revive this project, at least in concept, it just makes sense that I start a second podcast rather than going back to the blog that no one read. So, all that's why I want to do this project, but why should you care? Well, on a surface level, you shouldn't. Goodbye, everybody. No, but this is an entirely arbitrary and weird project that in some ways is pertinent only to me and my interests. That said, I think there's going to be enough in here for everyone to get something out of it. If you have any interest in the history of music, I'm going to be trying to talk about a bunch of that stuff, albeit in a fairly high-level, abstract way. This is also going to be a participatory process, since you will have ample time to listen along at home, so we can check out some weird stuff together. As befits a podcast of this type, I very much appreciate your input as well, And on the social medias, which I will talk about before the next episode, maybe we can have some conversations about this. Make it kind of a ridiculously arbitrary music book club of some kind. Another thing worth saying is that I think we underrate the entertainment value of arbitrary and random choices. Most music critics I see on YouTube or whatever have some sort of plan or conscious Curation going on, and the goal of that is to review things that they think people will like and click on. One increasingly common but rather odd subgenre of uh, YouTube review videos is a, a kind of a case in point. In this genre, there will be a young person listening to a song for the first time that has been suggested by their audience, which is, of course, primarily composed of older people. So, You'll get a a young Gen Z person listening to, I don't know, Smells Like Teen Spirit for the first time. And they'll be like, yeah, this is actually pretty good. Good job, old people. Good job suggesting music to me. It's obviously pure fan service. It's not like they're going to listen to something their viewers requested and just be like, this is terrible and you're a bad person for liking it. The joy of these videos is having someone with a platform and thus a perception of authority, particularly a young person, tell you that what you already think is true. Your taste is awesome, and the aesthetic preferences that you formed when you were 25 are still somehow relevant, even to young people. You're not out of touch and old. To be clear, the tastes and aesthetic preferences that I formed when I was 25 are not relevant to anyone other than me. I am aware of this. Yours aren't, and mine aren't either. If you're not 25 yet, they won't be in 10 years. So, in some sense, I'm sort of doing the same thing, although it's kind of in reverse. I'm putting out there things that I want to listen to and hoping that it'll be relevant to you and have you validate it by listening to my show. But actually, this is a little bit different from that, because if I just wanted to do that, I would be listening to my favorite records and telling you about them, and isn't my taste awesome? But that's not what this is going to be. Instead, I'm going to be telling you about records that my dad and my mom bought. 30, 40 years ago, and just gave away to me at the end of the day. To be clear, we should probably mention what's in there, because there's a real random assortment of stuff. There's a lot of punk and new wave and post-punk from my collection, and my mom liked that stuff too. But there's also five albums by Chicago, a substantial portion of the Beatles' back catalog, dramatic readings of poetry by T.S. Eliot, and one album of traditional Greek folk music. There's even a record that was also a birthday card for my stepsister. Buried in this collection are great stories about pop culture movements, individual acts of creation, and more than a few cheap corporate cash grabs. In short, the whole range of the human artistic experience is contained in this record collection somewhere. And I think that it's potentially interesting for everyone, even people who totally disagree with my taste in music. I think everyone's going to enjoy this ride because, again, I'm not really curating this. Random fate has. Speaking of me, I should probably tell you something about myself and more about my taste in music. A key part of what's going to make this fun for you, hopefully, is that I'm potentially a fun person to listen to. It's declassé to say so, but that's an implicit assumption of any podcaster, blogger, whatever. Whenever you sit down and start to write or create, you're making the explicit assumption that you have something interesting to say. So you're going to need to know who I am and why I'm interesting. Again, my name is Benjamin Jacobs. By day, I'm an urban planner. By night, I host a history podcast. I play strategy war games. And oh yeah, I've been tasked by the universe with raising an adorable but extremely troublesome little child. For most of my life, there were two things I was really passionate about, history and music. Doing this show will mean that I get to talk about both and maybe have people listen, which is neat. In my youth, music was more than sound waves. It was an entire chunk of the culture, partly down to the machinations of mass media companies, but partly as a result of the technology of the time. CDs and records are physical art objects, multimedia conglomerations of text, visual arts, and actual musical contents in the recordings. I love the tangibility and ritual of listening to music, which was, to me, more than an aesthetic experience. I searched the lyrics of pop music for philosophical wisdom and political directives. At the same time, the aesthetic experience was also obviously key, as music allowed me to manipulate my own mood in ways that helped me survive the emotional struggles of an adolescent, a person living with ADHD, and a child whose parents were getting divorced. Music was also an identity signifier, and as we all know, a key part of adolescence is trying on a variety of identities to help yourself self-actualize. These elements of philosophy and politics merged with art and aesthetics to create subcultures that could help a person make and keep friends, something it certainly did for me in college, but it also gave you a sense of belonging whether or not you had friends at all. I don't think these were the good old days, to be clear. I was miserable for most of the time, and the reality is that if you're going to music to try and find wisdom, or politically astute policy decisions, you probably want a philosopher or a political scientist instead as there is usually a higher signal to noise level. The ability of music to affect political change, vaunted in our society since the 1960s, has in recent decades been shown to be fatally undermined by the viability of the music industry as a whole and the ability of our society to compartmentalize. The musical identity scape of my youth is, I think, to some extent gone, and I'm not sure that's bad. Kids these days have new things that they identify themselves around, and identifying yourself around one artistic medium is, in retrospect, kind of a weird thing that we did. At the same time, I think something is lost in a musical and artistic culture where the point is entirely aesthetic. Music valued only for how it makes you feel is a cheapened product, a sonic soma bereft of nobility and reduced to a cold utilitarian experience, no better than a mass-produced poster from Ikea. As I get older and more out of touch, I do hope the youths retain the relationship between sound, art, and meaning that goes beyond a catchy tune. But never mind all that. This show is not about the future of music or the kids. It's about the warm embrace of the past. The strange confluence events that brought together Kid Creole and the Coconuts, Duke Ellington, and the Chieftains into a single record collection. I am very much looking forward to getting started. Uh, I've already written a bunch of scripts, as I said, and I'm really looking forward to all your reactions. Now, as this is an introductory episode, and as I have covered everything that I am required by custom to cover, this does actually bring us to the end of this episode. Next time out, I will be discussing Adam and the Ant's first album, Dirk Wears White Socks. As I said, this is going to be a monthly show, but I'm actually going to post that episode together with this one, or just immediately afterwards, just so that everyone has a real episode to listen to in their feed if they hear about the show. I do hope you listen to the album first. Again, there's going to be a link down in the show notes, so check that out. But in any case, I will speak to you again shortly in the second episode, and until then, enjoy, and I hope you find the answers you seek in your record collection.